And you'll note this mentions that this is a psalm of David. Um, Sometimes when you think of David, you think of David and Goliath. Some think of David the king. Some think of David and Bathsheba. Um, There are not many lives in the Bible that we have as much information about as we do about David. And yet often we overlook the fact that where David got his beginning. And I really believe that this psalm builds upon where David got his beginning in the sense that David was a shepherd boy. Um, It was interesting to me when I was in Tunisia a few weeks ago that um, as I was riding the bus to um, the place where we'd be meeting, right there in the ditch, a little patch of grass, I saw some goats. There weren't any fence around. And, And then I saw a young man there with a stick in his hand, and he's a goat herder, okay? And as we went further down, I saw some sheep, and and they had a shepherd there with them. And I thought, wow, this is... Number one, I, I thought, honestly, the patch of grass wasn't any bigger than right here. And, and I thought, man, we have so much to be thankful for and that we take for granted... And the goats were scrawny looking. I don't mean to offend any goat herders, but I've had goats once upon a time, and that was enough for me, all right? But um, but David, remember, he grew up and he was he was out on the mountains, on the hillsides, and taking care of his sheep when we were in... In Livingston, Montana, we had a a man that uh, worked on a ranch, and we'd see him in the winter months, but in the springtime, he would go to the mountains, and he'd take care of his livestock in the mountains, and um, we wouldn't see him until they brought him down. David lived out in the wild, if you please. And there were many a night that David sat protecting his sheep, and as he did, he'd look up into the heavens. And born out of that is this psalm that David, it it just springs forth from his heart. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And he says, who has set your glory above the heavens? And he goes on and he says, when I consider the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, he then stops and says, in humility and in perspective, what is man? that you would even think about him. 
And he ends the psalm then with the same refrain. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He was overflowing with the majesty, with the greatness of God. And and really we ask, well, what brought him to this? Verse 3, when I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. That word there, consider, means to um, experience, to gaze upon, to discern, to enjoy, to gaze upon. It carries the sense joyfully, to, to be present, to be near. In other words, David said, in my life I have taken time to consider the works of your fingers. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you just took time to consider the works of God? We can get so busy living that we don't live. And people say, I don't, I don't see the greatness of God. It's because we're not looking for it. And in this psalm, David is really encouraging us to consider several things. And, and I want to draw our attention. Number one, to consider God's creation. When I consider the heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, then he notice if you'd look in verse six, thou made man to have dominion over the works of thy hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. He's talking about all of God's creation, but he get, begins by calling attention to, to the heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. You know, when we take time to consider it, we too will say, what a great God you are. If you could travel at the speed of light, and what is the speed of light? Fast. It, it's not just fast. It's not Jimmy John's freaky fast. It is 186,000 miles per second. How many of you remember... Remember muscle cars, right? You're showing your age, okay, by raising your hand. 186,000 miles per second. If you traveled at that speed, it would take you eight minutes to get to the sun. To go from the sun to the center of the Milky Way would take 33,000 years traveling at 186,000 miles per second. You know, we, we can't even comprehend that. 
The Milky Way belongs to a group of some 20 galaxies known as the local group. To cross that group, you would have to travel 2 million years at 186,000 miles per second. The local group belongs to the Another cluster, even larger, which is a half a billion light years across. To cross the entire universe as we know it, it would take 20 billion light years. These are information that the National Geographic put out, which, generally speaking, they don't believe that a creator put all this together. Sir Isaac Newton had an exact replica of our solar system made in miniature. At its center was a large golden ball representing the sun. Revolving around it were small spheres representing planets attached at the ends of rods of varying lengths. They were all geared together and had belts and cogs that would make them move around the sun in harmony. One day as Newton was studying the model, a friend who did not believe in the biblical account of creation stopped by. Marveling at the device that Newton had, made of the heavenly bodies, the man um, exclaimed, My Newton, what an exquisite thing you have here. Who made it for you? Without looking up, Newton replied, Nobody, nobody. His friend asked, Nobody? Newton, without looking up, said, That's right, I said, Nobody. All of these balls and cogs and belts and gears just happened to come together. Wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles. By chance, they began revolving around their set of orbits in perfect timing. His unbelieving friend got the message. Things like this do not happen without a creator. To the point that you can pull up on your apps or whatever and find out the exact second the sun is going to rise tomorrow or next year. And this is the great God that we serve. Years ago, there was a famous explorer named William Beebe. He was a good friend of President Theodore Roosevelt, and often he visited the president, and the two men would go outside at night to see who could first locate a certain cluster of stars. Then, as they gazed at the tiny smudge of a distant starlet, one of them would recite, That is the spiral galaxy. It is as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxies. It is 750,000 light years away. 
It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. Then Roosevelt would grin and say, Now I think we are small enough. Let's go to bed. You know, we get an inflated view of ourselves. And part of the problem is we never even consider the creation around us. We get an inflated view that, you know, that guy could lift. He, he deadlifted the new world record. Or that guy kicked a world record field goal. Or that guy, did you see? He left the free throw line and slam dunked it. And God doesn't even notice anything to the point of saying, wow, I'm impressed. We get impressed with ourselves quite easily. We get impressed with people. The psalmist was impressed with God because he had looked at his creation. I mean, just just the heavens. But you consider man. I mean, just the aspect. I, I think it's an exciting thing to see life and birth. The biological process of human birth is amazing. Nine months after conception, the baby's brain sends a hormone through the placenta into the mother's pituitary gland. Although it's a very complicated chemical, its message is simple. I'm ready and it's time. All the baby's complex system, the lungs, the heart, the intestinal system, the nervous system, the brain, they're all ready to make it on their own. The baby's skull has not fused yet so that it is pliable enough to fit through the birth canal. As the process starts, the baby's adrenal glands add a shot of stress hormones to help the baby cope with the delivery. The child will not breathe until it has cleared the birth canal. If it breathed too soon, it would suffocate, but if it waited too long, it would suffer brain damage. Just before the mother and the child separate, the newborn gets a last-minute blood transfusion through the umbilical cord. The placenta has stored the nutrients the baby needs for that exact moment. There is far more going on than we'll ever understand And the cry of the baby displays God's wisdom and strength. And the psalmist said, Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name. When I consider the works of your fingers, when's the last time you considered the works of God's fingers in creation? But then... When we consider God's role with man, the psalmist said, after I consider this and I I see the vastness of of all your creation, verse 4, then I'm humbled. What is man that you are mindful of him 
or the Son of Man that thou visitest him. When we see the vastness of all this, and this earth is, is a little dot in all of God's creation, and, and on this little dot is us. And the perspective, David comes back and says, God, why would you even think about us? Let alone visit us. Think about what he's saying here. This, this aspect that, that God thinks about us. Flying always gives you a different perspective. And, um, you know, as you, as you get up in the plane and take off and the farther, the higher you get, the farther away everything is. And, and as I, as I was flying to Tunisia and back, it just hit me. You know, the things that are big here, you get an hour from here and they're not so big. You get two hours from here. You get in another country, it's not even big. Um, the things that are big in our life, wow, this is a, a big thing. You get farther out, it's not a big thing. And David realized how far out we are, and he said, God, why would you even think about us, let alone visit us? Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, when we began... Our study in, in Psalms, we said many Psalms are quoted in the New Testament. And Psalm 8 is one of those. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angel, and crowns him with glory and honor, and it set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. A direct quote from Psalm 8. But notice as it goes on. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, Jesus, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons into glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering." You notice what he you notice what he mentions here that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels Psalm 8 says man was made a little lower than the angels Jesus was made man he visited man God what is man that you would even think about him we're not we're not the centerpiece but you think about us 
And God, you visited us. You sent your son. In less than two months, we'll be celebrating Christmas. Don't let that give you a heart attack, all right? And what we're celebrating is, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visited him? You made him a little lower than the angel and crowned him with glory and honor that he, Jesus, by the grace of God, would taste death for every one of us. He took our death. He took our penalty that we might be sons brought into glory. Incredible. Of all this creation and, and the bigness, and, and we can't even find words to describe the, the immensity of God. And David said, God, that you would even think about us, but then that you sent your son to pay the penalty for our sin, and we are adopted into your family. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. David is just overflowing with this. We grow up hearing Jesus died on the cross for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me something I don't already know. Yeah, 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 yeah. We walk through all his creation with our head to the ground or looking at our computer or phone or whatever else, and we don't even see God. And David is saying, Consider his creation. Consider God's role with man that he created us to reflect his glory. And that reflection of his glory can only be made possible through Jesus Christ and his forgiveness of our sin. You visited him. But then, think of this. Think of man's role in God's plan. David said, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels, and crowned man with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, all beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. Right there, it tells me God made man different than he made animals. And he made man, it's a, it's a God mandate, man is to have dominion over the sheep and oxen and all the beasts of the field. And the fish of the sea and whatsoever pass through the paths of the sea. And God not only visited us and created us in his image and graciously crowned us with glory and honor, but now he's assigned us the role of ruling over his creation. God chose to rule over his creation through the weakness of man. God made man. God made him something glorious. God made him with a high and worthy destiny. And God made man for a purpose. 
And the psalmist now is struggling with two conflicting thoughts. The littleness of man compared to the greatness of God. And also now the greatness of man, that, that we are given this great responsibility. He's given over us dominion over all the works of his hands. And the psalmist is dealing with this and, and, and comes to this understanding of, of how small we are. And yet in that smallness, God says, but I've given you this responsibility. It's very important for us to understand that, to have success in God's eyes. To realize, I am small, but in God I have a great responsibility and a great privilege. So we consider God's creation, we consider God's role with man, we consider man's role in God's plan and any one of these we could do a series on, on any one of those points. But I want you to go back to verse 2. We also need to consider who God uses. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Turn to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. In Matthew 21, we find that Jesus cleansed the temple. And he said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. The blind and lame came to him in verse 14, and he healed them. And verse 15, and when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, And the children crying in the temple and saying, it's the children in the temple. And what are they saying? Hosanna to the son of David. The chief priests and the scribes were upset. They were sore displeased. They were very unhappy. And they said to Jesus, verse 16, do you hear what they say? And Jesus said unto them, and he quotes Psalm 8. Yes, he says to these religious leaders, haven't you ever read? Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. What Jesus is saying there is, you guys are getting it all wrong. These children are speaking truth, and I am the Son of God. And out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, he received praise. And you notice, they left and they were quieted before God. Jesus said, no, have you never read Psalm 8? This is what is happening right here, Psalm 8. And he stilled the enemy and quieted the avenger. With the weakness of children. Isn't it often that in the Lord's battle there is often a babe in the forefront? 
the child found in the ark of the bulrushes later crushes the power of Pharaoh. The boy David defeats Goliath. We've already mentioned, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the coming of Jesus Christ. How many times has God used a child to speak words of wisdom? It is reported a a young child of an atheist couple once asked his parents, Do you think God knows that we don't believe in him? (laughs) Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, God has ordained strength. The battle, we sang this morning, the battle belongs to the Lord. And God does not care what vessel he uses to bring the victory. The battle belongs to the Lord. 1 Corinthians tells us he chooses the weak and the foolish and the simple. Why? To confound the wise so that no flesh can glory in his presence. Do you understand some of the people that God has chosen to bring deliverance? He chose Rahab to save Israel. He chose Samson. He's worked through Cyrus. He's worked through Nebuchadnezzar. As we've often said, if he didn't work in spite of us, he'd never work. And yet we often want to box God into certain areas. And the psalmist said, when I see how great you are and that you've chosen the weakness of a child to win the battle. There's so many applications, but let me just quickly List some applications. Number one, you must take time to consider the workings of God. I, I love whether it's going out to tie the dog up or going out at night to get wood to bring in to burn or, or going out to get a cow back in when When that's done, to just stand outside and look up and to get a proper perspective. How many times just standing out there by the barn looking up, I think, man, what a God you are. Or it's looking at a plant or it's look. When is the last time you actually considered and then let it? Produce praise to God. We see the mountain, but we don't see the God that made the mountain. It's not just seeing the stars, it's seeing the God that put the stars in place. It's not just seeing that beautiful plant, it's seeing the God that created all that. But it is, it's taking time and shutting off phones and devices and and just Go and consider the workings of God. And then secondly, humbly and joyfully praise God. When's the last time you just went before God 
in a similar manner. Oh, Lord, my God, how excellent are you that just joyfully went before him. Thirdly, it's kind of, I already mentioned it, but enjoy God's creation. You know, God gave this to us to enjoy and to see him in it. He could have made everything brown, the sky brown, trees brown, ground brown, everything brown. He could have made it that that October 28, all the leaves just drop. He could have done that. But no, in his creation, he makes them change colors and some fall off quicker than others and Fourth application, treat each person with value and respect as beings created in God's image. There might be people that you think are jerks and fools, but they are created in God's image. Take pleasure in whatever work God gives us to do. He gave you this to take dominion. This is my work. And and I am going to take pleasure in this work for God's glory. God gave that to us. Be a good steward of God's gifts. The gift of life, the gift of his creation, the gift of your resources. And then I put... Number seven, humbly and joyfully praise God. And you say you have that down as number one. Talk to David about that. He had it in verse one. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And he had it in verse nine. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. One of the things we do a lot of complaining. We do a lot of moping. We do a lot of griping. We do a lot of this But how much praise have we done? If we have been visited by Jesus Christ in this earth and given the free gift of eternal salvation, our hearts should continually be saying, what an excellent God you are. God, that you've given me not only this gift, but today you've given me the gift of of food. How many of you have already eaten food, huh? How many of you have already drunk coffee, huh? See, these things, what are we going to do when, when you can't have that? God is still excellent in all that he does. And all of these thoughts, if we consider him, should lead us as the psalmist to say, Oh, Lord, my Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would forgive us for not considering you and your works. And Lord, I pray that there would be a revival of praise to you in the hearts of every believer here today. And Lord, I pray if there are individuals here today who have never received the gift that Jesus Christ 
purchased for us when he tasted death, took our death. Lord, I pray today that they would come and call upon you for the forgiveness of sins and that their hearts would be equipped and filled with living praise to you. Lord, forgive us when we make you small and us big. Lord, may we see your greatness and be overwhelmed with what is man that, what am I, God, that you would even think of me, let alone save me? And Lord, I pray that we would be filled with a sense of awe in you and a sense of gratitude at the responsibilities and privileges that you give us to serve you and to know you. Lord, you are excellent in all your ways, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.